Welcome to another episode of Jammin' with Jason. Hey, before we get started today, I wanted to let you know this episode is sponsored by C-Risk Academy. Now, did you know that C-Risk Academy is the number one on-demand and webinar training platform for internal auditors and professionals in risk management and compliance? With hundreds of on-demand courses and webinars each month, you are sure to find training and certification courses that are relevant to help you do your job better. Their on-demand training gives you the ability to study anywhere, anytime, and on any device so you can fit in your professional development on your schedule and you receive a CPE certificate for each course you complete. C-Risk Academy is also running a special for listeners of the podcast where you can save 50% on all courses through November 30th. All you need to do is click on the link in the show notes and use the coupon code JAMMING2019 when you register to get the 50% off discount. So make sure to click on the link in the show notes and get your 50% discount today when you use the coupon code JAMMING2019. Welcome to Jammin' with Jason Mefford, a show where we discuss topics relevant to chief audit executives and professionals in audit, risk, and compliance. We discuss the technical and soft skills needed to navigate the minefields of organizations. You hear best practices and practical advice for helping you advance your career, and we'll even talk about music, mindfulness, and psychology, because we can. So sit back and relax while you listen to the number one podcast in the world for internal auditors, unscripted and unedited. Welcome to another episode of Jamming with Jason. Hey, hope you're having a great week so far. Um, I've had a really good week, actually. Uh, this this last week, I, uh, I did a webinar on risk-based internal auditing. And uh, this is an, a, a topic that I've been, been discussing. I've written a book about, on it. I've taught, taught courses all over the world, developed certifications around this. And uh, it's really a topic that uh, the more that I've been thinking about and the more I've been trying to answer uh, people's questions, uh, really see that this is something that we need to discuss again. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this today. Like I said, I did a webinar um, last week about that, and I'll, I'll link up uh, to that in the show notes so you can go back out and actually take a listen to that. Um, but let's, let's kind of jump in and talk about risk-based internal auditing. Now, I know some of you, you know, as you're sitting here kind of listening to this, may be saying, well, now hold it just a minute, Jason, you know, risk-based auditing, we've been talking about that for, for 20 years. Isn't that old, old news? Uh, because a lot of people now are talking about objective-based auditing or enterprise risk management auditing. Well, what many of us have been talking about for the last 20 years that we've been calling risk-based internal auditing is actually the same or similar, but in a new packaging that some people now are trying to call objective-based. Because here's the deal. Risk-based internal auditing from the beginning was about helping to audit areas of risk 
and other things that again relate to kind of governance as well as compliance areas that are those things that may stop the organization from meeting its objectives okay and so this is at a high level here we're talking about objectives at the high organizational level and the problem is and why some of these other terms have been coming up is because honestly a lot of people are not actually doing what was intended behind risk-based internal auditing. And in fact, let me, let me give you kind of an example. Most of the time when I talk to people, they fall into one of three different groups. There are some internal audit groups that say, you know what, we're not even trying to do risk-based auditing. We're just really kind of a compliance shop or we're just doing testing around uh, internal controls over financial reporting. We're not really kind of going there. Okay, great, you know, that's, that's fine if that's what you choose to do there is a, a group that is in, in that particular area. There's others that, you know, they've been doing a risk-based approach, they want to improve or get better at it. And so they're always trying to learn and figure out, uh, you know, how, how to do this in, in a better way. Because again, a lot of people are not really doing this uh, in, in depth. And so they're still trying to figure out how to do it. The third group are people that think they're doing risk-based auditing, but actually are not. And again, in my experience, what I have found is a lot more people are in that latter group. They think they're doing risk-based auditing, but the things on their audit plan don't actually tie back to the key objectives of the organization. And so I'll go through and talk a little bit about it. And like I said, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it in the podcast episode. It's a little bit harder because it's just audio. So again, I would encourage you uh, to go out and take a look at that uh, webinar recording um, so you can get the visual side of this as well. Now, why, are, why am I talking about this? Let me, let me go through and explain um, some of the challenges that are currently going on in internal audit. And again, I don't know if you've seen these in your particular organization, um, but again, having been in the industry for a long time, uh, coaching chief audit executives, training internal audit teams all over the world, I see a lot of what's going on. And I really kind of keep my finger on the pulse of the profession. And here's some of the things that uh, we're seeing. Internal audit is still stuck in the historical weeds. So we end up very far down in the process or transaction level uh, within organizations. And often we end up focusing kind of on the wrong areas. Those areas that we may believe are high risk, but actually to our organization are not high risk areas. Now, by doing that, what this means is often management doesn't actually think that we are adding any value. Because we go away, we do this great audit, it's done all in accordance with the standards, we've got a beautiful set of work papers, and oh, our report just looks wonderful, we've got nice charts and other things on it. And we take it to management and they look at it and they kind of roll their eyes at us and think, okay, uh, thank you, but that doesn't really help me in doing what I need to try to do to help move these strategies to help us achieve our objectives as an organization going forward. And so again, we see this over and over again. There's been lots of studies that have shown that management, uh, management's view of the value that we add is significantly different than what we think. In fact, it's usually anywhere from 30 to 40 percentage points lower than the value that we think we're adding, uh, which is a problem because 
what that means is it's actually coming back uh, and an internal audit is being downgraded in some organizations or made obsolete. You know, sometimes management will look at it and say, well, I don't even know why we have this internal audit group. They're not really adding a lot of value. Um, why don't we create a new group uh, that can do some of the stuff and we'll just outsource the rest of the things. Or like I said, uh, being downgraded. Uh, we've seen again across <clears throat> some companies where what used to be a vice president or senior vice president job at an organization for a chief audit executive, um, when that person moves on and they repost the chief audit executive job, they're actually downgrading it to a director or manager level. Now, what that means is that the managers in the organization don't think that internal audit is adding value because they're downgrading the position, having it to report lower and lower in the organization. And honestly, it's usually somebody that's not maybe as technically competent that ends up filling that particular role. So again, that's an issue that we're trying to deal with. And the reason why I like to talk about risk-based auditing is it actually helps solve some of those challenges, okay? Because there's actually, there's an opportunity, and I, and I want you to remember this, anytime that there's challenges, there are opportunities. Now, you can choose to, you know, cry about the challenges and stomp your feet, or you can actually take advantage of and, and try to, to move into those opportunities. So those challenges mean that we have an opportunity to align our efforts better with management so that management actually uh, views us as adding more value. Now, one of the ways that you can align your efforts with management is to focus on helping them to achieve their objectives, which again is the basic you know, purpose behind risk-based auditing from the start. And, uh, but again, the problem is most of the time we're stuck down in the weeds, auditing process and transaction level things from a historical nature that most of the time don't help those managers. Now, if we wanna be seen as a trusted advisor and adding value, we have to do more to actually help the organization achieve its objectives. But by doing this, it allows us actually to be much more proactive and less historical in what we are actually doing as well, okay? Now, let's, let, let me, I won't get into kind of my whole story behind how I really kind of got to this point, um, but let's just say I've, I've been on both sides of it, um, you know, being in charge of risk management, compliance, audit, information security, being a consultant, being a trainer, um, working in the GRC space and seeing how some of the other groups in the organization view internal audit. And that's really kind of how I've gotten my perspective and see that unfortunately our profession is in a little bit of trouble. But like I said, that provides us with these opportunities, but it means we actually have to start doing some things differently. Now, to get into that and, and kind of explain, you know, because sometimes when I talk to people, they say, well, you know, I'm, I'm much more, be, be, because of my background and my experience, I'm much more comfortable um, looking at processes, being able to take them apart, look at the controls that are there, and really be able to help make sure that from a process level, 
you know, that we're, that we're doing a good job. Or, you know, I've, I've got a finance background, so I feel much more comfortable in the accounting area. And I, and I totally understand that, but internal auditing is much more than just those limited scope areas. So let me, let me give you a little story um, to help illustrate why this kind of happens and what we need to do different. And I'll share with you as well um, a story from, from my career to try to help if, if you're feeling that way, um, how we can do things a little bit different. And then I'll, I'll kind of wrap up with, you know, some different questions for you to ask yourself uh, to help you really see, you know, which of those three buckets are you in? Are you, are you, you know, not doing it at all? Are you think you're doing it, but you're not really? Or are you at the point to where you're trying to uh, improve and incrementally grow? So the first story that I want to tell you is this actually, I've, I've heard this as kind of a fable uh, type of story, but um, having traveled a lot in the Middle East, there, there's, there's kind of this character in the Middle East called Jaha or Jaha. It, it's kind of pronounced a little bit differently depending on uh, where you're at in the region. But one of the stories that I heard um, was a, a, about this man. And, and so he's a fictitious character um, and he's kind of this wise fool, okay? And so he does a lot of foolish things, but we learn wisdom from him. So very similar uh, to like Aesop's fables and some of the other things that are out there in this kind of venue or vein. And um, so in this story, Jaha is, is wandering around and he's looking very, very panicked. And he, he's, he's searching around, he's looking underneath things. You can tell that he is very very anxious and very worried. And one of his friends walks up to him and says, Jaha, my friend, it, it looks like you are worried, like you are, are looking for something. And he said, oh yes, my friend, I, I, have, a, I have lost my golden coin. Uh, and he said, what, you lost your, your gold coin? Yes, I lost my coin. It's been in my family for generations, so it has a lot of sentimental reasons um, for, for me but it's also made of gold and it's worth a lot of money and I cannot find it. I need to find my gold coin. So his friend, of course, wanting to be helpful says, well, let me, let me help you look for it. And so the two of them now are going around in this area, looking underneath everything, trying to find this gold coin. And after a little while, his friend, you know, finally stopped and said, you know, Jaha, we, we've, we've looked all over the place and, and we cannot, I, I, we, we can't find your coin. Where did you lose your coin? And Jaha looked at him and he said, well, over there. And he points, you know, not where they're currently at. And his friend looks at him and says, well, if you, if you lost your coin over there, then why are we looking for it here? And Jaha kind of shrugs and he looks up and he says, there is more light here. And I, and I think that, you know, a lot of times, again, as auditors, I understand, I totally get that, you know, there's some higher risk areas to the organization where we may not feel like the expert. And we're afraid to actually look uh, or go and try to understand some of these particular areas because we don't really feel like we're an expert. Well, let me tell you, we don't have to be an expert. 
to actually audit, to actually be able to help provide some advice and insight to others. You know, the outside perspective that we have, asking the right questions, seeing things from a different perspective can actually add a lot of value uh, to people that, again, are usually stuck in the details of what they're trying to accomplish. Now, let me give you a little personal story. <coughs> Excuse me. Somehow I made it all the way through high school, a bachelor's degree and a master's degree at university level, having never taken chemistry. Now, I took lots of physics. I always liked physics much more than chemistry. And so I always chose to take physics classes or I had to take some biology classes for electives, but I never ended up taking chemistry in school. Now, when you fast forward, and I was a chief audit executive at one of the companies uh, where I was at, one of our major divisions was a chemical division. So here I was, I've got lots of business experience. I've, I've worked with companies all over the world in all different kinds of industries. And I find myself now with one of our major divisions being a chemical division, and I probably need to audit something in that area, right? Now, here's the problem. Like I said, I didn't have any formal training in chemistry. I understood the periodic table of elements from a physics perspective and other things like that that I've learned over the years and had a basic understanding of kind of chemical reactions. But <clears throat> myself, I was not an expert in chemistry. Now, if we had to go in and audit <clears throat> that particular division, you know, would it be good for me to say, well, you know, I think there's probably some risks in that area, but I don't really understand chemistry that well and I don't have a PhD in chemistry. So we, we really probably can't do an audit in there. So I'm just gonna kind of pretend or ignore like it, it's not there, just like kind of that Jaha character would do. Well, of course not, I can't do that. But at the same time, do I need to have a PhD in chemistry in order to be able to audit the operations of our chemical division? No. Did I need to learn more about chemistry? Yes, I did. And so in fact, what I did was I got on the calendar with one of our operations managers who happened to have a PhD in chemical engineering. And I sat down with this man over the course of two days. <clears throat> and he actually explained to me in detail the actual workflow and the chemical reactions and everything that were happening throughout his plant to explain how the how the end product comes in the chemical reactions that were happening and when those chemical reactions were happening what the byproducts were what we were splitting out how we were capturing each of those different things how we were adding other things into it and at the end of the day it came out at the end uh, with our product, along with usually some other byproducts. And so, again, having him go through and understand and share with me uh, what those things were provided me much better context in order to be able to understand that particular area. Then I could actually ask him more intelligent questions about why we were doing things certain ways, right? 
but it also helped me to understand where the key control points were from an operational perspective, because we were looking kind of at the operational flow of the, of the organization, uh, of, that, of that plant, and where those important controls were that if we were gonna go in and audit, what would be the things that would be most important for us to take a look at. Now, again, that's just an example of, if you feel like you don't have the information that you need or that you're not really knowledgeable or have the education in those areas, then there's a couple of things you can do. Either first, try to go and get it, like I did by sitting down with this operations manager for a couple of days and learning about what it is. Go take a training course, right? You can do that or bring in someone else to be able to help you on a particular project. So again, that means you could bring in an outside consultant maybe who has experience there, or you could bring in someone from a different part of the organization who is knowledgeable to be able to help you in understanding those particular areas, right? Because again, we, we shouldn't just shy away from those bigger risk areas just because we don't feel like we're an expert in that particular area. Okay, so that's, that's one of the things, again, like I said, that I've, I've seen a lot of people kind of shying away from and not actually going after uh, or, or looking at some of those truly higher risk areas in the organization. Now, another one that I hear a lot of people uh, talking about too is, you know, I don't really know what the key objectives are, what the strategies are, or, you know, we, we don't get invited to those meetings. We don't know what they are. We don't know what management is actually, you know, trying to do or what's top of their mind. Well, here's an easy answer for you. Ask them, okay? Now, again, you're gonna have to, to, to develop your relationship with them uh, so that they can trust you. Uh, but ultimately, if you wanna find out what the biggest risks in the organization are, there's, there's a few different places where you can go and look. And like I said, I got into more detail on this in the webinar, so I'm not going to kind of belabor the point here, but the fact is there are some easy questions you can ask and some places where you can go to be able to start understanding very quickly uh, what really the biggest risks uh, in, in your organization to, to its meeting its key objectives actually are. Okay, so with that, let me go through and just kind of talk about some different questions for you uh, to try to ask yourself. Because again, I know some of you, uh, as you started listening to this, you're thinking, oh, risk-based auditing, you know, we're already doing that, uh, no worries, Jason. Um, but as we've gone through and talked a little bit about this, I wanna give you some questions for you to really kind of ask yourself uh, and be honest with yourself about whether or not, you know, depending on how you answer these questions on how much of a risk-based approach you're really taking. And I, and I told you at the beginning, I'm gonna be talking more and more about this because you know, many years ago I wrote a book. I've actually been updating some of the content related to that and I'm going to be reissuing or re-releasing some of that information um, kind of in a deeper level course for people to be able to go through uh, because I know that lots of people have, have uh, questions about this and I wanna be able to provide the answers. And, and honestly provide answers in, in the right way. And, and what I mean by that is, let me, let me give you a, a little example. Um, I help lots of people pass the certified internal auditor exam. And in there, you know, I have to teach them 
what is on the exam. And, and honestly, some of the information in there, having you know, been in risk management and dealing with that and dealing with the GRC uh, industry for 15 plus years, a lot of the information in the exam when it comes to talking about uh, risk management and some risk-based audit or what they call risk-based audit is not very accurate. Um, at least, again, based on my worldview and my uh, experience, as I said, being both in internal audit as well as outside of internal audit and coming back and forth. And so, you know, by putting some of this new information together, it's also allowing me uh, to actually share with people uh, what really will help. Uh, because, uh, unfortunately, a lot of times when people are talking about risk-based audit, they're really just talking about traditional internal auditing that is historical and reactive in nature. And it's all of those kind of things that are leading to some of those challenges that I talked about before. And if we keep going down that path, if we don't do things different, then we're going to continue to be downsized, outsourced, and, and really kind of, you know, it won't be good for our profession. Okay. So, so it's an opportunity again, like I said, for me to be able to share with you um, some of these cutting edge things as they're coming out and as I've been working on them. So uh, you'll see some more information about that uh, coming out very, very soon as a matter of fact. So, uh, so keep your, keep your ears peeled for that. But um, I want to get into these questions to kind of wrap up the stuff now. So, you know, as you think about um, your audit planning, so here's the first question. Do you start your audit planning with an audit universe or your organization's key objectives? Now, let me ask that again. Do you start your audit planning with an audit universe or your organization's key objectives? Now, I would say again, for most of the people that I've talked to, they start with an audit universe. And the way an audit universe is usually talked about is it's, it's a list of all the processes or transaction streams, the locations, the, the different business units underneath each, and you start with that as the basis for developing your audit plan. That is not a risk-based approach. A risk-based approach actually starts with the key objectives of the organization and then goes down from there. Second question, can you link every project on your audit plan back to a key organizational objective. And again, this is how a lot of times I told you, many people fall into that third category of thinking they're doing it, but they're not. Because when I ask that question and I have people pull out their audit plan and they look at what's actually on their audit plan, they are not able to link back why they are doing those projects to a key objective that they are trying to help ensure that the organization is able to meet. So again, that question, can you link every project on your audit plan back to a key organizational objective? If the answer is no, you're probably not doing risk-based internal auditing. Now, third, when you deliver a report to management, are they appreciative of the feedback or do they roll their eyes and yawn? Now, again, that's kind of a hard one, but how much of the time when we issue an audit report is management excited, so appreciative that they're thanking you uh, for being able to help them and, and make things better? Is that how they're reacting 
or are they kind of rolling their eyes and thinking, oh boy, it's the auditor again, just wasting my time, didn't actually give me anything of value. And so again, if they're rolling their eyes more than they're appreciating and giving you a big hug, then again, maybe some of the things that you're doing are not necessarily aligned with the efforts of management and likely do not tie back to key objectives as well. Now, again, I know I'm probably gonna piss a lot of people off by saying that, but uh, <laughs> can answer that in a little bit more detail, just not particularly here because there are some other things that, that, that go along with that as well. But I'm just saying kind of in general. The fourth one, does the management team come to you for advice and ask for help? And you know that is really one of the biggest questions for people to, uh, to be able to answer, to know whether you are a trusted advisor. Because again, I know a lot of us like to think we're a trusted advisor, but unless management is actually coming to you and asking for your input and your advice and for your help, then I've got to tell you, they don't really see you as a trusted advisor. Because if they saw you as a trusted advisor, they would actually reach out to you for help. Now, those are some questions um, you know, for you to kind of think about. And like I said, again, there's more information in that webinar that I did. And I'm also doing a follow-up webinar that's gonna actually answer uh, questions. It'll be a live Q&A session uh, where we can actually dig deeper into this particular topic. And so again, that's, that's gonna be on October 31st. And so I'll leave information about that in the show notes as well. So check the show notes and you'll be able to sign up uh, for that free webinar on 1031, uh, where we're gonna get into uh, more detail about this. Now, with that, um, I just kinda wanna, wanna close up saying again, you know, I know some of uh, today what I've been talking about may be some hard medicine for some people. Uh, may have ruffled some feathers, and that's okay. I'm okay with that um, because here's the reality. There are challenges in our industry, and instead of sticking our head in the sands like ostriches, we actually need to change and do things different. But again, I don't want us to just be focusing on the challenges because as I told you to begin with, every time there's a challenge, there's an opportunity. And if you focus on the opportunities and take advantage of the opportunities that those challenges give us, then life can be great, okay? You can align your efforts with management. You can be seen as a trusted advisor. You can be more proactive. It can be done. I promise it can be done. I've seen it done. I've helped people do it. It happens, okay? And one of the biggest ways that it does happen is taking a truly risk-based internal audit approach, tying back to key objectives. Okay, so with that, I'm gonna wrap up today. Um, as I said, there's lots of different opportunities. You're gonna hear me talking a lot more about this. If you have questions, feel free to message or email me. Um, and like I said, show up for that webinar on October 31st because you can ask your questions there live as well. Uh, and make sure to go back and listen to the recording uh, of the webinar that I did this last week, which is also included in the show notes below. So with that, my friends, uh, go out, have a great rest of your week. 
ask yourself some of these questions and start thinking about what can you do? What are the little steps that you can do to start helping uh, your internal audit group uh, to move forward, be more aligned with the efforts of management, be seen by, as a trusted advisor, and help you to be more proactive in what you are doing. So with that, uh, like I said, have a great rest of your week, and I will see you on a future episode of Jamming with Jason. Take care. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Jamming with Jason. Keep on rocking in the audit world. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll catch you later on the next show. If you'd like to earn continuing professional education for listening to today's episode, head on over to C-Risk Academy at ondemand.criskacademy.com. And that's C as in the letter C, riskacademy.com. Not only do you get a CPE certificate, but you also will have access to the video version of today's show. The views and opinions expressed on this show are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.